before Easter, we began a, a sermon series here at Good Shepherd on the last four chapters of John's Gospel, and today's passage brings us to the end of John's Gospel and the end of this sermon series. Our second Bible reading is John 21, verses 15 through 25. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Before we look at that Bible passage together, please join me in praying for God to be with us. Let's bow our heads. Luke chapter 24 says, Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Heavenly Father, we pray for that to happen here and now. Would our minds be opened by the Spirit of Christ so that we can understand the scriptures and be transformed as a result. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Do you love me? That's the question Jesus asks Peter in this Bible passage, the love question. He asks it three times, and each time when Peter replies, You know that I love you. Jesus then makes a request. 
essentially the same request each time. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Whenever someone asks the love question and then immediately makes a request, it's a way of saying, if you love me, then you will do this for me. The love question adds massive intensity to the request that follows. Jesus isn't having two conversations with Peter, one about whether Peter loves him and a second conversation unrelated about Peter feeding Jesus' sheep. No, the love question can't be separated from the request that follows. Jesus is saying to Peter, if you love me, then you'll do this for me. And it's hard to think of a heavier way to ask someone to do something. The presence of the love question turns Jesus' repeated request, feed my sheep, into a priority for Peter. Now, the love question creates intensity whenever it's asked, but it creates even more intensity on this occasion because Jesus asks it three times, paralleling the three times Peter denied knowing Jesus on the night when Jesus was arrested and condemned to death. John says in verse 17 that Peter was hurt when Jesus asked him for a third time, do you love me? It was painful for Peter to be reminded of those sinful denials. But grace means more to us when we're conscious of the sinfulness of our sin. Jesus is forgiving Peter and restoring him. He's mercifully commissioning Peter to feed his sheep despite Peter's past failures. And the wonder of forgiveness adds still more intensity to this commission. It's difficult to see how Jesus could possibly have made this sheep feeding instruction more powerful or memorable to Peter. Well, as we'll see later in the sermon, the priority Jesus gives Peter is inherited by the church, which means it's relevant for you and for me. There's a real sense in which Jesus is asking us today, do you love me? And as we reply, yes, Lord, you know that we love you. He then says to us, feed my sheep. For the rest of the sermon, we'll consider three observations about the sheep feeding priority. And the first observation is that it's a spiritual priority, a spiritual priority. In verses 15 through 17, there are three slightly different follow-up requests to Jesus' love question. Feed my lambs, verse 15. Take care of my sheep, verse 16. Feed my sheep, verse 17. Those slight variations don't seem to be significant. In John's Gospel, we often find slightly different words used for the same thing in order to liven up the style. Lambs are young sheep but they're still sheep. And that instruction, take care of, in verse 16, is sandwiched between two feeds, which tells us that taking care of sheep is mainly done through feeding them. So the three requests can be accurately summarized as feed my sheep. 
But that summary, feed my sheep, leaves us with some interpreting to do. Jesus didn't have a flock of literal sheep that literally needed feeding. So if he's not talking about giving green grass to woolly creatures, what does he mean by feed my sheep? There are two ways to answer that question. First, we can look at what Peter went on to do after receiving Jesus' sheep feeding instruction. The book of Acts tells us about life in the early church after Jesus' ascension to heaven. And it shows us what the leaders of the early church, such as Peter, prioritized. Listen to Acts 6 verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Well, that uh, complaint, that argy-bargy, made its way all the way up the, the chain to the twelve apostles, like a legal case making its way to the Supreme Court. And here's the answer given by the twelve apostles, a group that included Peter, of course. They said, it would not be right for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. That's prioritizing language, isn't it? It would not be right for us to neglect this in order to do this. Their priority is the word of God. But the problem of unequal food distribution still needs to be solved. So the apostles say to the community of believers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility, the distribution of food to widows, over to them while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So when we look at what Peter went on to do, we see that he prioritized the ministry of the word, that spiritual work, the prayerful preaching and teaching of God's word. And that is a kind of feeding. All through the Bible, the word of God is likened to food. In Psalm 19, God's decrees are said to be sweeter than honey. In one of Peter's own letters in the New Testament, God's word is compared to a mother's milk. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2. And Jesus himself famously says in Matthew chapter 4, Mankind does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word is the food we really need because it gives Life that never ends. Real life. Feeding people with the word of God is the feeding that Peter went on to prioritize in his ministry. And in light of the rest of the Bible, it makes perfect sense that Jesus would want Peter to prioritize that kind of feeding. The alternative way to answer the question, what does Jesus mean by feed my sheep? is to track back in John's Gospel to see if Jesus talks about feeding and sheep anywhere else in the Gospel. When we do that, we find there's actually a whole chapter in John's Gospel about feeding, chapter 6, and a whole chapter about sheep, chapter 10. In chapter 6, Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. He says, anyone who eats of this bread will live forever. At the end of the chapter, Jesus makes it as clear as can be that he's not talking about physical eating. He says it is the spirit who gives life, 
the flesh is no help at all. And then right away he says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Physical food gives us calories that sustain us for another day. That's important. But the spiritual food of the word of God introduces us to Jesus, the bread of life. And if we put our trust in him, we'll live forever. That's more important. The sheep chapter in John's gospel, John 10, tells us that Jesus' sheep are the people who follow him. In John 10 verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. One point we should note from John 10 is that Jesus' sheep includes people who haven't yet heard and believed. In other words, not yet Christians. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. They too will listen to my voice. Putting all of this together, Jesus' sheep are fed when the word of God is proclaimed to Christians to sustain them and give them growth. And Jesus' sheep are also fed when the word is proclaimed to not yet Christians so they can hear and believe. That's the spiritual priority Jesus gives Peter after asking him the love question. And that priority has been inherited by the church. Jesus' sheep still need to be fed. Peter's role was foundational. He and the other apostles set out the good news that was recorded in the books that make up the New Testament. But that written word still needs to be proclaimed to those who believe and those who don't yet believe. Jesus' sheep still need to be fed. One of Peter's fellow apostles, the apostle Paul, tells a young Christian leader named Timothy, what you have heard from me entrust to faithful people who will also be able to teach others. If we put that in the terms of John 21, Paul is saying to Timothy, feed Jesus' sheep and equip others to feed them too. The priority Jesus gives Peter is the priority he gives to the church as a whole, an enduring priority. As we'll see later on, Jesus' priority shakes out in different ways for different people, but the church has never moved on from this priority. Jesus' sheep still need to be fed. Without the spiritual food of God's word, we are fragile lambs. But when fragile Christians are given a good diet of Bible teaching, they grow strong in Christ. We've seen that the priority Jesus gives Peter is a spiritual priority. There are two more observations about this priority for us to consider before we finish with personal applications for our own lives. Our second observation about the priority Jesus gives Peter is that it's a dangerous priority. A dangerous priority. Please look down with me to verse 18, where Jesus says to Peter, I tell you the truth, when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate 
the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter's commitment to feeding Jesus' sheep will ultimately lead to his death. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Peter knew that just weeks beforehand, Jesus had been compelled to stretch out his hands when they were nailed to a cross. Now Jesus is indicating, as John spells out in verse 19, that the same kind of death awaits Peter. And history tells us that Peter was indeed crucified. The historical evidence points to Peter's death by crucifixion in Rome under the Emperor Nero, which was 30 years after this conversation with Jesus. Imagine living for three decades with the knowledge that at some future point you will be executed by crucifixion. That's the knowledge Peter lived with. So as he takes on this task of feeding Jesus' sheep, he knows it won't lead to worldly fame and fortune in a comfortable old age. This new priority is dangerous. Of course, Jesus' prophecy in verse 18 applies very specifically to Peter alone. Feeding Jesus' sheep isn't deadly for everyone involved in that work. And yet it is often dangerous work. Perhaps not here in America, thanks to our unusual freedoms, but in many other parts of the world. In December 2019, Wang Yi, pastor of the Early Rain Covenant Church in southwest China, was sentenced by a Chinese court to nine years in prison for inciting subversion. A lawyer speaking on behalf of Wang Yi's family said that charge of incitement involves preaching and is an issue of speech. When Christians are in the firing line, it's Bible teachers who very often receive the first blast of persecution. But let's not miss the comment John makes on Peter's death in verse 19. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter's death wasn't a tragic waste, it had the effect of glorifying God. Everyone knew he was dying because of his sure hope of eternal life through faith in Jesus. Peter expresses that hope in 2 Peter chapter 3 where he says, In keeping with God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Peter's death, with that hope in his heart, that sure hope, brought glory to God. The priority the church has inherited from Peter is still dangerous from a worldly perspective in many places, but it doesn't endanger our ability to bring glory to God. Let's press on to the third of our three observations about the priority Jesus gives Peter. The third observation is that this priority is non-competitive. It's a spiritual priority, a dangerous priority, and a non-competitive priority. Please look down to verse 20, and I'll read from there. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
You must follow me. Those verses and uh, the ones that follow reintroduce a familiar figure from the rest of John's Gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Verse 24 tells us that this disciple whom Jesus loved is the one who wrote down all of these things. And there are good biblical and historical reasons for thinking that the disciple in question is John. Peter knew that John, like him, had been one of Jesus' inner circle, that trio of Peter, James and John, that Jesus so often took to one side for special discipling. And so Peter, rather understandably, asks Jesus in verse 21, Lord, what about him? What about this other member of the inner circle? Jesus says in response, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? His reply teaches us that however this priority of sheep feeding might find fulfillment in our own lives, we're not to view it as a competition. It's not a spiritual version of the amazing race, that reality TV show where victory can only be achieved by outperforming the other contestants. When Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? He's revealing that he wants different things for different people as this priority for the church is applied. Some people will be able to give themselves very directly to the church's sheep feeding priority for most of their lives. Others will serve that priority less directly, but that doesn't mean their contribution is less significant in Jesus' sight. We're not meant to keep a competitive eye on what other people are doing to fulfill the church's priority. Jesus wants different things for different people. And that word want seems significant there in verse 22. If I want him to remain alive until I return. Jesus wants different things for different people. In C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, the lion Aslan, who represents Jesus, tells a character named Shasta, I tell no one any story but his own. I tell no one any story but his own. We need to seek Jesus' leading, his guidance for our own unique story. John shared the same priority as Peter. We can see that from his gospel from its purpose statement at the end of chapter 20, where John says he's written the gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John shared the sheep feeding priority, but writing a gospel was a different kind of feeding to the kind that Peter did. With that said, here are some suggested ways in which we might apply the sheep feeding priority that the church has inherited from Peter. These applications are designed to help you think about what Jesus might want when it comes to you. That word from verse 22, if I want him to remain alive until I return. First, you should make sure that you yourself receive 
the feeding that you need. Whether you're a very fragile lamb or a more robust sheep, you need to be fed with the Word of God. I pray daily that God will help me to do my part of your feeding faithfully. But I'm conscious that members of this church often move out of New York City. That's just the way it is in New York. And if that happens with you, you'll need to find a different church. Don't settle for a church where the Bible teaching is thin gruel, meager, insufficient rations. Whenever we attend a church service or a Bible study, we should come longing to find out what God says in his word and how that connects to our life as a Christian. If when you leave NYC you need to drive 30 minutes to get to a church that delivers that kind of satisfying spiritual food, drive those 30 minutes. We should all have the humility to recognize that we're sheep in need of food. Don't lose your spiritual appetite. You're a sheep in need of the food of God's word. Another application is to be on the lookout for opportunities to deliver the food yourself, whether to Christians or non-Christians. Perhaps you know of a new Christian, a fragile lamb, who you could share the food of God's word with. Pick a Bible book. Probably a New Testament book would be best. And meet up with them once a week or once a month. Working your way through that book. Discussing it with them. Do that with a fragile Christian and they will likely remember it with gratitude for the whole of the rest of their life. It's also possible that there are one or two people here who Jesus wants to go into full-time sheep feeding. We're a complementarian church, which means we give due weight to what the Bible says about different roles for men and for women. But complementarianism certainly doesn't say that full-time sheep feeding is just for men. There are examples in the Bible and throughout the history of the church of women who have found full-time or part-time sheep feeding roles for themselves. If you're conscious of how much you've benefited from Bible teaching in the past, surely it makes sense to at least consider whether you could be a dedicated Bible teacher yourself. One final application would be if you have children, any parent with children will have a multitude of opportunities to feed their children the good food of God's word, to feed those lambs the truth about Jesus. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The person setting out that priority is the Son of God. In the final lines of the Gospel, John says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. There isn't enough ink. There aren't enough trees to make paper 
to record all of the perfections of Jesus Christ. And that same Jesus loved us so much that he was crucified for our sake, dying in our place, receiving the punishment we deserve to receive so that we would receive no condemnation. As he says in that sheep chapter we were thinking about earlier, John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. After laying down his life for us, he gave his people an ongoing priority, the feeding of his beloved sheep. Let's give ourselves to the receiving of the food of God's word and the delivering of the food of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, the bread of life, who came down from heaven, that we might eat and live forever, nourished through him as we believe the message about him. We thank you for the people who fed us your word when we were very fragile lambs or not yet believers. Thank you that they honoured this priority. They fed Jesus' sheep. Please keep our spiritual appetite going. Give us a hunger for your word. Show us our need for it. We pray, Father, that you would lead us to the spiritual food we need. And we ask for your help as we seek to give it to others, friends, family members, children. Guide us, Father, in that. Help us to be faithful when we have opportunities to feed others. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.